Hey guys, welcome in. I decided to set the atmosphere by putting up a bunch of Halloween decorations. Ball, I see you're wearing a witch's hat. Of course, Mason, you're not a wizard if you don't look the part. This is crossing dangerously close to the line of LARPing. If we start wearing costumes, I'm gonna stop showing up. Don't listen to Mason, Paul. I wanna wear costumes. You should've told me. I have some of those red devil pajamas. I don't know if that's quite in the Harry Potter spirit, Elvis. I mean, it was never explicitly said, Lowry, but death was a real-life person that handed out wands and magic capes. Mason, look at me. Look at my eyes. I'll fight you. I don't care if I win. I'll go outside and I'll fight you right now. Say my hat's lame. Your hat's lame, Paul. Shut up. Anyway, I hope you guys all had time to set up some spells for your characters, because it's all you've got all game. That and our tenacious personalities. And also Paul's stupid hat. Paul, do you want to at least look at these before we get started? Nah, Lowry, I trust you guys. A foolish move on your part. Yeah, a move almost as dumb as your hat. Let's sit down. I got some trouble, trouble, toil and trouble, all that stuff. Paul, are you okay? Yeah, this is all cool, but... No, it's not. But I think you might be developing Forever GM Syndrome. Where you run all the games and eventually you start to lose your grip on reality because you're playing so many different people all the time. Pretty soon you're writing music, drawing elaborate maps, and playing with several different groups of people so you can have them all interact simultaneously with different parts of your fictional setting. I've been there, Paul. You can ask for help. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's fine. Alright, so you guys are all first-year students at Dorp Toad School for Gods Among Mortals, a magical school where you learn the specific magical keywords that make normally inert objects fly around and stuff like that. And then you get graded on it. I got my spiral notebooks and my number two pencils. And glue sticks. Don't forget your glue sticks, Mason. Oh, you guys are still using glue sticks? See, my parents taught me the stickamus spell, which actually doesn't stick things together very well, but that's just as good as a glue stick. Well, a pleasure to meet you, my young peer. I am Mason Nostalgia Bottom, from the proud Nostalgia Bottom family. Oh, yeah. I've heard of you. I heard your family was better back in the good old days. Yeah, we're on hard times right now. But one day we're gonna look back on all this and laugh. Oh, hey, are you guys doing introductions in here? Are we on the train? I assume we're on the train. Yes, you're on a magical train that's made entirely out of wood. Most wizards don't know what a train is. They think it's a type of snack eaten by mortals. But this particular vehicle was modeled by a wizard who saw something the mortals were doing, and he decided that he could do it better. As far as everyone else is concerned, it's basically a really big, long, inconvenient magical doorway that takes forever to get where it's going. The school uses it because they regard it as a great way to introduce kids to each other. And they gave us individual compartments and let us leave the doors closed. Am I barging in? Hey, you guys having a conversation in here? We're supposed to be making friends before school starts. Why, yes, new friend. Welcome to our private cabin. I can already tell that we're probably going to die together. My parents warned me not to join any suicide cults. Unfortunately, that does rule out every extracurricular group on campus. But I hate exercise and people, so it's okay. I'm Mason Nostalgia Bottom, of the famous Nostalgia Bottom family. We did a lot of great things back in the day, and I have no idea who this kid is, but he can magically glue construction paper together, which is pretty awesome. That is super cool. I'm Elvis Moneybottom. You probably haven't heard of me, but my family basically controls the entire world. I mean, not directly. We have boardrooms and stuff, and like politicians that do it all for us, but it is our money. Man, I remember when my family ruled the world. Well, I remember stories about it. Anyway, on account of the fact that I'm like... 12. Not that anyone asked, but my name is Lowry Waterbottom. I can speak to water. Oh, that's really lame. You shut up. I have the magic glue stick here. I have the power. Man, I wish I could do magic glue sticks. Well, I can teach you. 
Just flick the wand and say, Stickamus. 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 You guys are getting it everywhere. Stop. We're definitely going to be lifelong friends. I can feel it. Well, sit down in your glue. We got a long train ride ahead, and I think a lady's supposed to come by with an expensive cart full of treats. And it's going to set the tone for us living in a magical world full of wonder. So just be cool, stop sticking everything together, and wait for the wonder to roll in, okay? Mason, I can't believe that you don't appreciate the wonder of magical glue sticks. Next you'll tell me you don't care for magic markers. They're like regular markers, but they leave a more permanent stain on the wall, and they're summoned by magic. Sure enough, a woman rolls by with a cart full of magical treats and tricks. They sell trading cards, and each card has in it the trapped and tortured soul of a famous dead athlete. True collectibles. There's candies that'll explode in your mouth, and jelly beans that taste like real dog poop, but only occasionally. There's also chocolates in the shape of millipedes, and they writhe around and try to bite you, just like real millipedes would. You know, in the good old days, they teach you how to just outright turn millipedes into chocolate. You didn't have to buy them. Well, I have infinite money. And madam, I'd like to buy every horrific chocolate millipede that you have. Wonderful. Here you are, dear. She unloads a dozen boxes of squirming, horrific, chocolatey insects. Open a box. They scurry out of the box and scatter in all directions around the cabin. Whoops. Truly, we live in a magical world. The mortals must envy us. You got a chocolate millipede trying to climb in your ear. Do you... You want to eat that or can I? You can have it. So now there's chocolate and glue stick all over the cabin. It's pretty sticky, yeah. I'm trying to think of how else I can tap into my inner 12-year-old. Ma'am, I don't suppose you have any rotten crab apples for sale? Well, she says, I do have this box of bottomless rotten crab apples. Okay, I'll take that. Here you are. It produces one rotten crab apple every three hours. Thank you. Thank you. I guess, uh... I'll just sit here with my crab apple box amid my chocolate millipedes and glue. Are you going to do something with your crab apples, Mason? I don't know. I've never had so much power. Has any child truly been blessed with so much potential evil? Infinite money over here, Mr. Nostalgia Bottom. We've only just scratched the surface. The world will rue the day. This is good. I just need to process all this. Leave me to my thoughts and my squirming, gross living chocolates. You gaze out the window the universe at your fingertips. Disgusting candy insects occasionally running across the glass in front of you. Soon you see the imposing silhouette of Dorptoad's school for gods among mortals. The jagged spires puncture the clouds. Live obsidian gargoyles perch on the parapets, gazing balefully over the landscape. The moat surrounding the school is said to be the river Styx itself, having been portaled here as a defensive measure in times long forgotten. They say the ghosts of the dead still roam the school grounds as a result, but it's okay, because they're whimsical and fun. It's gonna be a good school year. I can feel it. Oh, no, wait, that's just another chocolate millipede. Hey, sales lady, do these things die on their own? They're made of chocolate. Everything they could possibly encounter in the bug world is gonna be a predator. There's just so many of them. How are these made? Is there a factory? I think they come from the house of one charmingly obese wizard with a peculiar sense of humor. And there's no such thing as health inspectors. Well, they're definitely picking up a lot of lint. The train pulls into the station and everyone disembarks into a vast hallway. On a balcony, there's a giant puff of smoke and the sound of thunder. This must be none other than the legendary Headmaster Tumbledry. He's the oldest man you've ever seen, and his beard reaches down to his ankles. He's got a bit of trash stuck in it, and dirt around the bottom fringes. Greetings, students, he announces. Welcome to the Dorptoad School for Gods Among Mortals! We're all in for a fantastic year of education and building friendships. But first, you must be divided into warring tribes, who will be pitted against each other at all times and in all things. You will never reconcile your differences with the other tribe. 
So go ahead and proceed down the hallway. The statue at the end will direct you either to the left or to the right. It makes the choice by looking deep into your soul and assessing what kind of person you are. Beware! One of the two sides is evil, but I'll never tell which. He winks and then he vanishes. Wow. That was the legendary Professor Dumbledry. I heard his brother married a goat. We could only hope to achieve such power in our lifetimes. The goat whispered ancient secrets of the old magics. If there was another one, they would surely be killed. I mean, I wouldn't kill it. Yeah, Mason, but you wouldn't think to marry it either. And that's why you'll never be a powerful wizard. It was so much easier to tell magic goats from regular ones back in the old days. Oh well, let's go be judged. You walk down the hallway and see a statue of a wizard pointing students left and right. It seems to be doing it evenly. First left, then right, then left, then right. And it's not even really looking. You're not sure if the statue is really peering into anyone's soul at all. Okay, guys, you're my new best friends forever. You remember the train? Those were good times. I've still got millipedes in my robe. That's good, Elvis. You're hilarious. Anyway, let's stagger ourselves so we all go to the same team. Okay. Paul, I guess we line up with students in between us so we all get waved to the right. You guys all get waved over to Team Red! Team Blue on the other side is composed of nothing but bad children who all look suspiciously like you, you know, also children. But that's just a trick. Those children are evil. Come on, guys. Let's go sit down before these ugly blues stink up all the air. Red rocks! Blue sucks! Go Reds! I'm gonna kill every last one of them. Dial it back a little bit, Lowry. We're the good guys. They're the ones plotting to kill us. I mean, I'll kill them all in self-defense. There you go. Kill them because you have to. Everyone enters the dining hall and you find your seats. Sitting far down the hall at the head of everything are the three other teachers in charge of every student here. First is Professor McDougal, a stern woman well known as the vice mage of the school. Second is Professor Fickletick, a wiry old man who teaches the art of potions, plants, and fauna. Finally is the dread lich known as Professor Skippy Bottom. No one knows the true age of Professor Skippy Bottom, but he's committed more atrocities in his lifetime than there are history books to account for them. For centuries, all wizardkind battled to end his terrible reign, but none were powerful enough to stop him. And eventually, all resistance folded up. After that, Skippy Bottom got bored and retired, so he teaches at the school now. Oh my god, that's so cool. What's he teach? Defense against the dark arts, magical history, necromancy, life magic, time manipulation, and forbidden seals. I hear the Forbidden Seals perform an amazing show on the weekends, where they jump right through a hoop in the darkest recesses of your mind, and then they eat a fish. Lowry, are you talking about sea lions? I'm talking about seals. Lions don't live in the sea, Mason. Can you imagine how stupid? I'm gonna talk to him. Elvis, I don't know it's a good idea. No, don't talk me out of this. I have to do it. Paul, I walk right up to Professor Skippy Bottom. The dark, flickering embers in the recesses of his eye sockets practically pierce right through you. Drop a lot of cash on the table. Professor Skippy Bottom, I would like to be a lich. He waves his hand, causing your entire body to seize up in paralysis. You've been trapped in a powerful magic seal from which there is no escape. You're entirely numb, but you can perceive your surroundings and the passage of time. He flicks his wrist again, and you float up, then drift back to your space at the table. Well, Elvis, you tried. And luckily you lived. The young girl across the table butts in. You're lucky he wasn't banished to somewhere. Excuse me, who asked you? My name is Elpherpolis Montgomery. I'm from Kansas. And I know all there is to know about Professor Skippy Bottom. You're a liar. He's been around since before history books. I know everything that's important about him. What's his first name? Uh, that's not important. A young boy leans in and says, 
For real though, that guy gives me the creeps. I'm Donald Sneasley. My parents are divorced and my dad works for the government. Hi, Donald. My new favorite color is red. And this school was a whole lot cooler before I started talking to you. I'm Lowry Waterbottom. I talk to water. Finally, a kid with glasses breaks in. I don't think he's all that scary. He's just a skeleton. We all have that kind of power inside of us. Donald looks at this kid and he says, Wait a minute. Aren't you the boy who died? The table erupts out in hushed murmurs. You've all heard of the boy who died. Killed by the Dark Lord Huglack, he was one of the few victims willing to take the witness stand against him on the condition of being revived from death. Coming back to life is really expensive magic, so it was a really big deal. They put Huglack behind bars after that, but then he escaped, and they say he's now trying to restore his former power. Oh, yeah, I saw you in the wizard news. You looked a lot bigger in the pictures. Yeah, I was up on the podium, so I was at a high angle and I looked more dominant. You also looked fatter. An explosion in the center of the hall pulls everyone's attention as Professor Tumbledry once again appears in a blast of smoke. Greetings, students! Welcome to Dorp Toad School for Gods Among Mortals! I think I already said that. I'm Headmaster Tumbledry, and the boss of this school and all the people in it! And also, one of your teachers! But don't worry, just think of me like family! He winks. Anyway, I'm sure you're all familiar with Professor McDougal, Professor Ficklethick, and Professor Skippybottom, or you will be at least. So that concludes orientation. We'd orient you better, but the school's layout is constantly changing and it is virtually impossible to get anywhere, so good luck! You're responsible for your own tardiness. All that said, let's get to the important thing. Normally, every year, we have some artifact or power or or hidden danger that threatens the safety of all of you, and this year is no exception. He claps his hands together and a strange, angular door rises up from the ground. This year, we'll be hosting the Door of Infinite Consequences! Anyone who passes through this door shall be subjected to one consequence. What sort of consequence? Well, we can't predict for sure, but statistically most of them are fatal. He winks again. Normally we'd lock this thing up in a sort of fun, exciting puzzle room that you'd all enjoy, but I don't think any of you will be tempted to go through this door if we put it out of sight. So we're just going to leave it standing here in the middle of the dining hall. Watch where you're going. He bends down, producing chalk from his sleeve, then draws a circle around the door. Alright, so the rule is, nobody crosses this chalk outline. It's not magical or anything, you can cross it. I'll just dock ten points from your team for doing it. And if you go through the door, you'll probably die. But hang on, I'm gonna sweeten the pot. He pulls out a golden ring with a fiery glow about it, and a deep green jewel. This is the ring of double power. There's only two in the whole known world, and whosoever possesses this ring will have their magical power doubled. Now, obviously, this would be most valuable to someone who's already powerful and terribly evil. But anyway, in it goes. He tosses the ring into the portal. Yeah, so you can just go in there and who knows? Maybe you'll live and you can have the ring. Anything's possible, right? Well, enjoy your lunches. Classes start after lunch. He claps his hands and poof, reappears at his place at the faculty table. Then delicious food floats out into the room and sets itself down in front of you. Everyone gets to eat except for Elvis. A single tear rolls down my cheek, but freezes in place. Wow, this is really good. Magically cooked turkey. No matter what your tastes, it's exactly what you like. Oh, mine tastes just a little worse than I was hoping, which is exactly how Mom does it. So I'm really excited about this year's dangerous challenge. I bet nobody's going to go through that door, because all of us know better and would totally tell on each other if anyone tried anything. Robert says, I bet the consequences don't actually happen. Someone should go through that door and get the magic before someone evil does. 
Someone like who? Like Lord Huglack. The table gasps, and Zelfirpolis says, Don't you know you're not supposed to say his name? Robert replies, That's what they said before I testified, but the court required me to say his name. Why don't we say his name? Zelfirpolis says, Because whenever someone says his name, he knows where you are. It's actually super annoying for him, and if you do it too much and he's not busy, he might kill you or something. Then, if we all started saying his name, it would just be a really confusing jumble for him, right? Society could actually crush one of his powers by just running their mouths all the time, which frankly is all people are good at anyway. No, see, it was a whole thing. His name is an alias, which originally only his most loyal subjects knew, but then they used the alias too much and, and the magic was already cast, so it was too late and it can't be undone. So if he hears his name, he can find you, and it's, it's well known that he might. I mean, I don't really care. Getting all of society to change their views on something is a really expensive marketing endeavor, and I'm only 12. You are surprisingly aware for a first-year student. Yeah, well, talking to water surprisingly does a lot for your sense of perspective. For example, did you know that water doesn't have an opinion on anything? It's amazing. You don't realize that everyone forms an opinion on something that they hear about, but water's just water. It really makes you realize your place in the universe. So, hey, I don't suppose you guys are incorrigible pranksters or anything. I heard that there's that type at this school. I bet they all got sent over to Blue Team, though. Robert says, all the evil pranksters definitely went over there. The pranksters on our side are just good-natured never-do-wells. We're hilarious and fun. But the blue team does their jokes to laugh at our expense, wickedly. Right, so we agree there's nothing wrong with torturing the blue team. So long as none of the teachers find out, it's allowed. Oh, okay. Wait. No, that makes sense to me. Lunch comes to an end, and Elvis is unfrozen. Oh god, I grab a turkey leg before it gets away. It's so good. It's just like how my goblin slaves do it. You have goblin slaves? Yeah, my family is so rich. We have so many slaves. Do you guys ever want to ride a centaur? I've got like three of those. Eh, sounds like it might be weird. Well, we make them wear blinders. You have about 15 minutes to get to class. However, the entire school is an ever-changing labyrinth, and navigating the mess will take at least that long, if not longer. Oh, it's no problem. My older brother taught me about that, and he taught me a navigation spell, so we can get anywhere we like in no time at all. Oh, okay. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a good spell. I definitely would have overlooked that and not thought of it as useful. That's precisely why it's useful, because I knew I'd be the only one who had it. I can also juggle super well, and I can survive a fall from ten stories up. I also got this sweet wristband for my wand so nobody could knock it out of my hand. Rich kids get all the advantages. Okay, so hey, we have more time than everyone else. Several boxes of chocolate millipedes, and a supposedly endless supply of rotten crab apples. Do you want to go to the blue dorms really quick? I don't know. If we did anything wrong, I feel like we'd have to tattle on us. Blue team is evil, and one of those kids I hate said it's fine so long as we don't get caught. Yeah, we're doing this for all the right reasons. We're in the clear, morally. Okay. I guess if we're in the moral clear. So, you guys make a quick detour to the blue dorms. Naturally, there's blue banners everywhere, paintings of famous blue team students, and all the bedsheets are blue. I assume you unleash the rest of your candy bugs and throw crab apples around. Yes, we do so, knowing that we are only hurting bad, evil children who would do the same to us if they had the idea first. Well, shortly after kicking all the boxes over and three crab apples in, the now familiar explosion of Professor Tumbledry bursts out of the center of the room. Oh, God! Oh, 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 dang. We were caught. That means that we're the troublemakers. Sir, Mason and Lowry are trashing the blue dorms. 
And also I am too. I bought the millipedes. I was complicit, sir. Wow, you know what? You kids are my new favorite students. Plus 10 points to red team for each of you. Oh, but hey, a word to the wise? Next time you do something like this, I'd go for the kill. You don't want a blue team to be able to retaliate, do you? He winks at you. Wait, you, you want us to prank them so hard that they die? I never said that. But hey, I'm also going to give you another 20 points for coming clean about this whole thing. Sometimes one of the hardest things you can do is tattle on both your friends and then yourself. Anyway, I have to go. Don't be late to class, you three. He poofs away. Well, now I don't know how to feel about this. They do say Tumble Dry is a genius. Maybe this is how his genius works. We got rewarded, but it felt kind of backhanded and like we messed up. I'm not sure if he meant the stuff he said. He told us to kill Blue Team. I'm sure he just meant it metaphorically. What would the metaphor be? Maybe he's saying, if we prank someone, they're going to prank us back. And the only way we could stop that is by killing them. So we just have to expect to get pranked back. Well, I mean, there's lots of ways that we could do a prank that would go wrong and kill someone. Okay, but that's not a prank. No one is laughing after that. At least not usually. You call that a failed prank, or a tragic accident, or a YouTube video. Truly, the man is a genius beyond our understanding. Anyway, we better go, or we're gonna be late. Away you go, through the many shifting halls, flying stairwells, and confusing doorways which lead nowhere. Thanks to your magical skill, you find yourselves promptly at the entrance to your first class, taught by none other than Professor Tumbledry himself. <laughs>